watching on uh, your smartphone device, you can open uh, the YouVersion Bible app. You can do that. Just press a little brown Bible. I think I'll turn it on here some way. Right. Uh, there it is. There's the instructions. And uh, lower right-hand corner is the More button. And then halfway down, Events. And then select Cast of Assembly of God. And all of the uh, slideshows. And, and, well, it's there. Anyway, you can follow along with us as well. Amen. Uh, reach for the sermon notes insert in today's bulletin. And, and uh, we'll get into our study in just a moment. I like to begin with just a little bit of a attention getter and a little bit of humor. You can connect with people with a little bit of humor. And uh, so uh, I heard someone say, he says, the shortest distance between two people is laughter. You can really connect with people with laughter. And so uh, the Lord uh, has a great sense of humor. That's right. Just look at all of the animals, some with long necks and some with squatty bodies and some, you know, all kinds of things. Some are spotted, some are streaked and speckled, and then there's us. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, there you go. And so he has quite a sense of humor in his creativity. Amen. Praise God. I, I like to begin with a little bit of humor. I heard about an old country farmer. An old country farmer was taking his city slicker nephew camping for the first time. And his nephew had five earned college degrees. He was one of the smartest men alive, but had never been camping. And so they set up their tent and, and quickly fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, the farmer said to the nephew, Look up, what do you see? And the brilliant nephew said, I see millions of stars. And the farmer said, Well, I know that, but... What does that tell you? And so this brilliant nephew said, well, astronomically, it tells me there are billions of stars in the galaxies and billions of galaxies. And meteorologically, that tells me tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day. And of course, theologically, that tells me God is a great creator. And then the nephew said, what does that tell you? And the farmer shook his head and said, well, it tells me that somebody stole our tent. <laughs> Look up at the stars. Amen. Praise God. Well, our theme this year is walking with God. Walking with God. And we've been studying a series of messages from the life of Abraham. And he was a friend of God and father of faith. And we're learning from Abraham as the example of how to, here's a guy who walked with God, so let's follow and look at how he did it and figure out maybe how we can do it too. And so although God is always with us, there are times when he will visit us unexpectedly. You've been doing something and just uh, driving or somewhere or just walking somewhere or doing something, all of a sudden you're aware that he is there. Amen. And sometimes he will visit you unexpectedly at the most, you know, un unthought of times, but you're just aware of his presence. Amen. And so when God visited Abraham that day, he was out, you know, in the heat of the day and he was just at it in the shade of the tent door and all of a sudden God showed up. 
And when God visited, he declared, Abraham declared, he said, My Lord, do not pass on by your servant. I want you to linger here. I want you to abide here. I want to spend some time with you. And then Abram ministered physically to the Lord and prepared a meal for him and and welcomed him. Otherwise, he would pass by. Last Sunday, in our study, we learned that the Lord speaks fruitfulness to our barrenness. And he did that for Sarah. But to receive the promised blessing, you have to be willing to step out of the tent of fear and into the arena of faith. And that's what Sarah had to do. She had to step out of fear and into faith. And the Lord declared at that time, he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. And friends, I believe that there is an appointed time that the Lord has for each of us. And we just have to have faith in God and wait for that appointed time for the miracle to take place. I remember several years ago, matter of fact, almost 45 years ago, when I first met a young lady. And I was uh, attracted to her. And uh, I wanted to know who she was. I wanted to know her name. And I found out shortly that her name was Marsha. And uh, I was interested in getting to know her better. I saw it was at a worship setting of single adults. And I was there as well as a single adult. And I saw this young lady who was lost in worship to the Lord. And just was loving God. Passionately loving God. And that's what attracted me to her was her spirit. Her spirit. Now she was pretty and all that. But, you know... uh, and I'm sure that was something of, of, an, of, of an attraction. But the thing that really connected me was I identify with her passion toward God. Amen. And uh, she was beautiful from the inside out is what I'm trying to tell you. And so uh, I was interested in getting to know her. But it wasn't until uh, I spent time with her and that I began to know her. And we may have been acquainted with one another for a while, but we really didn't know each other. And we dated over a period of three years before we were married. And so during that period of time, we got to know each other better. And now, after 42 years of marriage and three years of courtship, that's three and 42, 45 years, I honestly say... That I know her up to a point. And she knows me. And in a sea of voices, I can pick out her voice. And she can pick out my voice. And as we walk with God over a period of time, our knowledge of God will increase. And as you and I walk with God, not only do we get to know the Lord, but the Lord is able to recognize your voice out of a sea of multitude of voices that are crying out to Him constantly day and night. He recognizes your voice because you have been with Him and in intimacy and worshiping Him and developing this relationship with Him over this period of time. He knows you. Amen. And I believe it's one thing for us to know the Lord, but it's quite another thing 
for the Lord to know us. And that's what I want to speak on today, a message that I've titled, Does the Lord Know You? Does the Lord Know You? Because quite honestly, the Lord is constantly revealing Himself to mankind. He does that in a variety of ways. In Genesis chapter 18, we've been studying this for several weeks, how he appeared unto Abraham and he revealed himself. Uh, he and two angels came and all of a sudden they were there. And Abram's in the tent and he's, scripture says, and the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he, Abraham, was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And so the Lord appeared to him. And what's interesting to me is Abram's response. Abraham immediately responded in humbling himself and worshiping the Lord. In verse 2, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door. He didn't walk. He ran from the tent door. He had passion, Brother Jack. Amen. Passionately, he leaped and ran to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. He was worshiping the Lord because he recognized the Lord. And then after that, Abram, he said, My Lord, if I've now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Amen. And so he began to minister to the presence of the Lord in a very physical way with a meal. And uh, we've studied this already, but let me just review these verses. He said, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And then he said, I will bring a morsel of bread uh, that you may refresh your hearts. And after that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried to the tent of Sarah. And said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender good calf and gave it to the young man. And he hastened to prepare it. And finally, verse 8, so he took butter and milk and the calf which he's prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And so, again, it's one thing for you to know the Lord. It's another thing for him to know us. And this is not the first time the Lord appeared to Abraham. He and he immediately recognized the Lord. They had an ongoing relationship that had spanned a number of years. And the Lord had appeared to him prior times. He had seen visions and he had heard from the Lord. And so it should be of no surprise that Abraham immediately recognized his divine visitor, on this occasion, he knew his visitor. He knew the Lord, and that's important. But it's also important for the Lord to know you. And so let me talk about that, because verse 19, I'll get to it in just a moment. Let's start with verse 17. It says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing, or what I'm about to do? Should I keep it a secret? And he answers that, in the next verse, he said, Since Abraham shall surely become a great nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children after him. You know, and again, it's one thing to know the Lord. It's another thing for the Lord to know you. And the Lord said that he knew him. And so you say, well, Pastor Marcus, isn't that 
kind of what God does? I mean, isn't his attribute omniscience, one of his attributes, omniscience? You say, yeah, but what's that about? Isn't the Lord omniscient? Yes. All-knowing? Yes. Doesn't he know all things? So I don't really understand what you're saying here, that he knew Abraham. Well, let me say it this way. In a broad sense, the Lord knows the thoughts and intents of mankind. He knows your heart. He knows what's in your, your heart. And he, he knows he's all-knowing. Yet in a very narrower sense, in a very uh, unique sense, if you will, the word to know is the Hebrew word yada. And yada speaks of, uh, of, uh, of a very uh, close knowledge, an intimate knowledge. And it's birthed out of relationship and closeness and of, uh, of, of love, if you will, and concern. And so yada is to know someone uh, more than just know that, that, that their name is Marcus or, or, or the name is Weta. It's to know Weta. And to know Weta's passion and Weta's hunger for God and intimate time with it. He, he knows you. Yada. And so Jesus actually used this same theme of intimacy in the New Testament in describing the last days. In chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus said, Not everyone who, in that last day, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. But rather, it is the person who has done the will of my Father in heaven. That's the criteria. It's not what you say, it's what you do. And so Jesus says, many will come to me and say in that, in that day, what day? The judgment day, the end of time. He says, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out demons in your name and done many wonders or miracles in your name? I mean, we were in the ministry. We did all these wonderful things in your name. And what's interesting is, then I will declare to them, I never, what? Knew you. Oh, doesn't the Lord know all things? Yes, but it's, we're talking about intimacy here. I didn't have a relationship with you. De- depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you workers of iniquity. And so the Lord is looking for someone who will know him and have a heart of obedience towards him. Now that does not mean that the Lord doesn't know all things, but rather by our disobedience... By not doing what we should be doing, we have hindered our intimacy with God. And so the phrase, the Lord knew Abraham, the Lord knew him, means more than just he knows that his name is is Abraham. It means more than just head knowledge. The Lord knew him means the Lord had an intimate relationship, friendship relationship with Abraham... Because of Abraham's faith in God, he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, living right, doing right, being made right. And so because of his faith and obedience, he did. He obeyed the Lord. When the Lord said, leave Ur and go to the promised land, he did that. He obeyed the Lord. Amen. And so, so much so, the Lord knew him that he actually changed his name. 
from Abram to Abraham, father of many nations. James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about Abraham in in his uh, epistle. And he says, the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You know, we can call God our friend, but when God calls you his friend, that's a higher level. Amen. How many of you would like to be a friend of God? Oh, amen. Absolutely. And so the Lord knew him as his friend. But the question is, does he know you? Does he know me as his friend? Oh, I hope so. Now, intimacy in relationship also brings with it revelation. You have a greater understanding. And that's all that revelation means is an unveiling of that which is hidden. And so it is an unveiling of the purpose of God, of the plan of God, of what God's going to do. Hence, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Because I'm in relationship with him. And so he's not going to hide And so because of his close relationship with Abraham, God desires to reveal his plans. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And the answer is no. It's as if God is pondering in his own mind whether or not to reveal his heart to Abraham. But in verse 18, he begins to give us several reasons why God is not going to hide his plans from Abraham. First of all, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, which implies that Abraham would be interested in anything that would happen to his own family. And so, indeed, remember how the Lord had already rescued, helped Abraham to rescue Lot, a member of his family, once already in chapter 14, when the invading kings came through the plain area and, and defeated the kings of the plains and then carted off all the goods and the people and went up toward Dan and then to Hobah. And Abraham, when he heard the word, he came with just his servants, uh, 318 or so, and they came by night and with the Lord's help, they defeated those armies and brought all the goods back and all of his family. The Lord had helped him save his family once. So how could the Lord judge and destroy part of his family without at least warning Abraham of the impending doom that was coming upon the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Not only that, but we also see another reason given for God not to hide his plans. Not only is it because Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, but also all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed in him. Which ultimately would point to Christ as a descendant in the lineage of Abraham... But this blessing actually goes back to covenant, to the covenant that the Lord had established with Abraham. The Lord was saying, I have established a covenant with you to bless you and to bless all of the nations of the earth. Early on in the book of Genesis, the Lord said to Abram, 
get out of your country from your people and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So any judgment to his own family or even to another nation or people on the earth would naturally be of importance to Abraham because of the covenant that he had entered into and the promise that he's through him all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And now God's going to take off and destroy part of the people. You know, I'm interested in that, God. But then the Lord affirms the most important reason that he would not hide this information of his purpose, of what he was going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, why he would not, why he would hide, not hide that from Abraham. And that is found in verse 19. For I have known you. I have known him. Amen. And it's not just a head knowledge, it's a heart knowledge. It's because the Lord had an intimate friendship relationship with him. And for that reason, he's not going to hide anything. He's going to reveal his plans, his purpose, his heart. To Abraham. And then there's one more reason that's given. And that's the last part of verse 19. And observe it says in that verse, For I have known him in order that. In order that. And I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. Basically, here's the reason. The reason is so that Abraham will take this as an object lesson. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And be able to teach his own offspring, his own children, and his household what happens when a holy God is confronted with a sinful people. And here's the rest of the verse. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do so that he will use this as an object lesson to teach his own children and his household after him. That... That they keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. You see, the Lord knew Abraham. He knew him well enough to know that he would be concerned about the salvation of his own house. About his nephew Lot in particular and his family. He knew that. And he knew that upon the destruction of these cities, that Abraham would be able to teach this object lesson, if you will, of what a holy God, how he reacts to a sinful people that will not repent. And what a holy God, the consequences of sin, the consequences of Sodom and Gomorrah, that he would use this and he would teach this. And so, friends, guess what? God gave him a revelation. A revelation of the consequences of sin. You know what? Guess what we have? We have what? A revelation of the consequences of sin. We have more of the revelation than Abraham had. 
And scripture says the wages of sin is death. Oh, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ezekiel 18 says the soul that sinneth shall surely die. The Bible is filled with admonitions and understandings of the revelation of God that sin has a consequence. We live in a sinful world, if you haven't noticed. And there are consequences to sin. This world is going to be destroyed by fire. It was destroyed by a flood in the book of Genesis because of their sin. But in the last days, we read the end of the book, there's going to be a destruction by fire. Much like the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's already revealed his purpose to us. The Lord knew what Abraham was going to do with this revelation that he had given him. He was going to teach his children and his offspring about the consequences of sin. He knew that. But the question is, what are we going to do with the revelation of his purpose? Of the consequences of sin? What are we going to do? Well, friends, intimacy with God brings revelation of God's purpose. How many of you are interested in receiving a greater revelation of the purpose of God in your life? Oh, absolutely. Well, friends, when you begin to minister to the Lord and you begin to worship the Lord, you begin to grow in your relationship with God, along with that intimacy will come a greater revelation of His plan, His purpose, His desires for you. And so we have the revelation of His purpose right here in the Word of God. In the Word of God. Now let's talk about, for a few moments, Abraham's response to the revelation that God wasn't going to hide from Abraham. Shall I hide what I'm about to do? And he he obviously replies, no, I'm not. And so I think it's important for us to understand what Abraham did, because I believe it's the same thing that we are to do when the Lord reveals His plan, His purpose to us. So let's start in verse number 20, when the Lord revealed very specifically to Abraham what he was about to do. And this is Abraham's response to God's revelation. In verse 20, the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Now notice the immediate response of Abraham is threefold. And in verse 22, we begin to see that. And notice what it says in verse 22, Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. Here's the first thing he did, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. He remained in the presence of the Lord. Verse 23. And then Abraham came near and said, 
Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So first of all, he came to the Lord, it says, and he still stood before the Lord. What's that about? He still stood before the Lord. In other words, Abraham hadn't left his presence. He stayed in the presence of God. And the Lord had not left Abraham. And friends, it's imperative that we stand in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I love that worship song. We sing it every once in a while. I stand, I stand in awe of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Holy God to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Oh, hallelujah. Have you ever been that, that holy moment when, you, when he's there and you know he's there and you're just lost in his presence? Amen. And you're just honoring him. That's what first thing he did. He just stood in awe of the presence of Almighty God that was there. He didn't want to rush God out. He wanted to, God to linger. He was staying in the presence of God. He stood still or he still stood before the Lord. Amen. Now, the second thing that he did is listed in the next verse. It says, Abraham still stood before the Lord, and Abraham came near. Say, came near. Write it down. Secondly, he came near the Lord. He came near the Lord. What's that about? See, he got as close to the heart of God as he possibly could. In James chapter 4 verse 8 it says, draw nigh unto God, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. King James, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. What a wonderful promise it is. You say, well how do you do that? We'll read the rest of the verse. And it says in the rest of the verse, cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded. Amen. Friends, it's talking about repentance. Repentance. Amen. Pastor Jack, or, or uh, I call him Pastor Jack. And uh, Jack was teaching this morning about, uh, and on the topic was, was something about uh, uh, this, this same theme. And in my mind I was going, wow, he's getting on my sermon today. Uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, how do we uh, minister to the Lord? How do we draw near to the Lord? How, how do we... Uh, uh, you know, connect up, and, and, and if you draw near him, he'll draw near, but there's a process there, and some will worship, and others will read the word, and you can use a variety of things, but here's one that's called repentance. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. It's talking about confession, and, and that's, that's a wonderful verse that James talks about, but basically, Abraham was standing still before the Lord, or still standing before the Lord. The Lord was there, and he drew near God, close to God. I believe he's talking about worship. I really do. Amen. He's worshiping God. Amen. And then, notice what it said, and here's a passage. I'll go ahead and go to the next one. He says, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? What's that talking about? It's intercession. It's intercession. The third thing he did was begin to intercede. Would you destroy, also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then he goes on and says, well, Lord, what if there were 50? 
Suppose there were 50 righteous men in the city, and would you also destroy the, the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were there? And you've read this passage, and it gets kind of, uh, you know, a little bit belaboring, if you will, because he keeps changing the numbers. He changes them six times. And each time the Lord acquiesces and, and, uh, and, and agrees to a lower number that he will spare the city. And finally, he gets down to just 10 in verse 32. And the Lord said, well, Abraham said, let not the Lord be angry. And I'm only going to speak one more time, Lord. But suppose 10 should be found there. And obviously the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. And the point is, is that Abraham persevered in intercession. He persevered in intercession. And the Lord was very patient with him. And the Lord granted his petition each and every time the Lord responded affirmatively to his uh, petition. And ultimately, his family was spared from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want you to notice the results of his petition, or the results of his intercession, if you will. We'll go back to verse 19 again. And he says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord and do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now, isn't it interesting that this passage says, The Lord knew Abraham. Do you think that the Lord was surprised by Abraham's response? When Abraham said, would you spare it for 50? Would you spare it for 45? Would you spare it for 35 and and on down to 10? Do you think the Lord didn't know that Abraham wasn't going to do that? You think the Lord was shocked that Abraham would do that? No, 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 no. The Lord knew this man. He knew Abraham and knew all about him. He knew his heart. He knew his passion. He knew what he would do. I want you to get that in your spirit today. The Lord knows you. I hope He does. Amen. The Lord knew Abraham and knew what his response would be for his family. And He knew what Abraham would do. He knew what he would do. He knew that Abraham would stand in the gap and become an intercessor. He knew that. And has it ever occurred to you that that, becoming an intercessor, was exactly what the Lord wanted Abraham to do? That's what he wanted him to do when he shared the revelation. You see, God is a God of justice and mercy. His holiness and His righteousness demands justice. But His mercy, aren't you thankful? His mercy endureth forever. Praise God. 
Ezekiel the prophet writes in chapter 22 verse 30, I sought for a man among them that would make a wall that would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But sadly, I found no one. I was looking for an intercessor. I was looking for somebody that would just be one person that would stand in the breach of the wall. The Perez, the Hebrew word Perez, the the gap of the wall. I was looking for somebody that I would not destroy that land and bring judgment to it. I was looking for an intercessor, but sadly the prophet says I found none. And so judgment came instead of mercy. I believe the reason for the revelation, in other words, that he did not hide what he was going to do. The revelation of his purpose was so that Abraham would do something in order that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. Well, what was it the Lord wanted Abraham to do? He wanted Abraham to become the intercessor, to stand in the gap and to become that intercessor. And friends, I'm convinced that any intimate relationship with him that we have, will ultimately lead us toward intercession. If we're going to be intimate with the Lord, we're going to grow in our friendship, relationship with God, that ultimately it will lead us toward intercession. And most likely it will be for our own family. We'll be interceding for our loved ones that they will come to Christ. Amen. And the deeper, the closer... The nearer that we come in relationship to God, with God, the more immediate the intercession will be. We won't delay it. I mean, when God reveals to us what His his plan is, what His purpose is, we will become involved. And that's what happened to Abraham. He immediately pleaded before God for the city. And he was especially concerned about his family, who were the righteous ones, probably the only righteous ones in the city. His nephew Lot and his family were in immediate danger. And God responded to Abraham's clear and concise and specific intercession. Why? Because the Lord knew him. The Lord knew him. As I close now, and the musicians and singers are going to make their way to the platform, I close with this question. There it is. Does the Lord know you? Does the Lord know you? And for that to happen, we've got to spend time with Him. We've got to spend time worshiping the Lord. Amen. In order to develop intimacy with God and to approach Him and come near His presence and to stand before Him. Abraham, he still stood before the Lord and then he came near the Lord in, I believe, in worship. Amen. And then he began to intercede. Praise God. Our intimacy with the Lord will bring us revelation from God. And that revelation is a purpose. And the purpose is that it will bring us to intercession. To birth the the promise that He has given to us. And friends, when you intercede, know this. The Lord knows you. Amen. The Lord will bring to pass that which He has spoken to you. The Lord knew Abraham, but does He know you? Well, how do you get to know the Lord? Again, by spending time in His presence. By standing in awe of His presence in worship. By coming near Him and interceding even for the lost to be saved. Amen. Do you receive that message today? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing today. Heavenly Father, I pray 
God that we will become more intimate.